This is Sharon Quarles. I am the author of A Bonafide Conqueror, and you are listening to Moments of Grace with Dr. Butler. Wouldn't you like to start your day upbeat and motivated? Dr. Butler has written a wonderful book. It is called A Moments of Grace. It is a devotional for a busy life. You can get your copy at www.drajrbutler.com. This is your host, Dr. Radron Butler, and welcome to A Moment of Grace. Today, we, um, we are having Roderick Edwards, who has written a book. He has already done one episode with us, uh, The History and Future of Black People, A Realistic Assessment. And um, in, in our last episode, as, you, as Roderick and I are talking, you can you can understand that he has a, a passion there's I, I truly believe this this is this is what i believe um we live in a time in america where everyone has grievances everyone has a grievances but very few people have solutions um and if if they are solutions they're so radical that it, it it's not normal it just cannot be normal uh as a nation as people grievances are not grievances are <laughs> not how we get things moving how we get things moving are by laws we see something that needs to change we create a law in this nation and we change it like i said i'm an african-american i went in the military in the 80s there is no way possible i could not have had an opportunity to do the job I did just 20 years before I came in. Um, I couldn't have even done the job that I did in the military because of racism. I'm just being honest. Um, but laws help to eradicate or at least force the system to give me an opportunity. And that's all any American wants is an opportunity. And again, um, we have with us Roderick Edwards, who is the author of The History and Future of Black People, A Realistic Assessment. Roderick, welcome back to Moments of Grace. Thank you for having me back. Glad to be here. So, Roderick, when we uh, had our conversation um, on our last episode, we, we, we had an opportunity to talk about the Black Panthers, the ideology of, of Gandhi, which... Um, Martin Luther King uh, attested to and grabbed a hold of. Um, and we also talked about the the history of, of, of African-Americans or Africans before they were brought to this country. Um, let's take another step back because we're going to come back at that political piece, I'm sure. But let's take a step back to um, the tribal wars and when you lost in, in Africa, uh, how you were treated and and how the uh, Atlantic slave trade started. Right. So, like any any uh, culture, the the victors to the victors goes the so spoil. The spoil. Right. Yeah. So, and, and you can read that in the Bible. You can read it all kinds of. You can read it in the Quran. Whenever the victors happen, they they get to dictate what happens. And right. most of the time, it was slavery. 
slavery of women, slavery of children. The difference between the so-called Eastern slave trade and the Atlantic slave trade, which is the, the American slave trade, the Eastern slave trade, which was mainly to Asia or the Muslims, they used a lot of their African slaves as uh, soldiers and sex slaves. Mm -hmm. Whereas the Atlantic slave trade used their slaves mainly as laborers, mm -hmm. as people to build their businesses. And so here's the difference. But the thing is, it was going on before, we mentioned in the last episode, the Shante tribe and the Yoruba tribe, they were selling people. There was already a market. You could come there, you could find a market, and there's people selling slaves. So we just need to understand that it wasn't just... Because here's, here's what I imagine. I put this in my book. I imagine, especially back in my day when we were beginning to teach a lot of the civil rights things in, in school, we had the little black boy or the black girl sitting there next to the white girl and the white boy. And you're a teacher trying to teach this stuff. I can imagine what's going on in a, in a black person's mind, a little black child's mind, when, you, when, when the teacher's telling them, the relatives of the person that's sitting next to you put your relatives in bondage and treated them so badly, wouldn't let them go on buses, wouldn't let them eat at counter. How in the world would you not come up with almost a, a ability of hate, hatred towards this other white kid? Because now that's what you're being told. We mentioned this in your last episode that you had, you have family members or foster kids that are also Caucasian and, and black, and they don't know the difference until they're taught it. So I'm not certain we're doing a, a justice when we teach this almost hatred and how it's happened and, and not teach the whole reality of the, the like I said, the realistic assessment. Gotcha. Gotcha. And so, so you asked the question, so let me answer it because yes. I was that African-American kid. Yes. Sitting next to, uh, you know, Caucasian kids, Jewish and everything else. Mm -hmm. I, I, I believe, and I've had this discussion with other friends of mine, my reality is a little bit different because my mentality is a little bit different. Growing up in New York, um, we heard the history um, and then we moved south and I heard a different type of history and we'll get into that. But I heard the history and what I had an opportunity to do was to look at this melting pot that I was growing up in, that I had Jewish teachers, I had friends from, ha from Haiti. We had friends from France. We had Spanish friends, Puerto Ricans and, and all of that. And so I grew up in a, in a world where it was about culture and not color. So even though I understood or thought I understood what slavery was, I also understood this was history. And as I looked around in my environment, it was totally different than where we came from. So I thought that we had made progress because my family has never talked about white and black in our home. We talked about culture. So I think that, that so, uh, so I understand what you're saying. Logically, you would start to hate, but even in the classroom presented with slavery and all of that, I don't think I ever got angry. And I don't think my friends ever talked about being angry because of what we saw around us. And I think that's where we've gotten wrong. That's where we've gone wrong in our nation is that we've become so tribal. We have become such separatists that when we hear the history, now you've given me an opportunity to be angry because now you're reflecting the history. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. <laughs> so, so, so it's, it's going to be totally different when, you know, if, if I tell you that the earth at one time was seen as being flat, and now that it's round, 
um, something different. The information changes um, the history because I don't see what you told me it was. Now I have different information, so I process it different. And I think that's the, the wonderful beauty about we as human beings, given different information, we process things differently. Like I said, what I seen in my community was the melting pot, the true melting pot of what America could be. Now moving to the South, never heard of the N-word until I moved to the South. Never even <laughs> knew that it was a connotation coming out of somebody's mouth that was supposed to be derogatory to me. So now, again, information has changed. So I think, again, as we said before, the dialect and all of that is regional. Mentality in this nation is regional. Hello, my name is Adriana. Did you know that there are half a million amazing kids in foster care? I wrote a book called The Crystal Kingdom to bring awareness to amazing families like mine. When you purchase my book on eBay, a portion of the proceeds will go to a foster care organization to help these amazing families. Think in advance, like my dad always says, keep the light on. There is an estimated half a million men, women, and children that are homeless in our country and this great nation each night. Statistics show the number one reason for homelessness is affordable housing. Dr. Butler and his family have started the Grace Project. It is a plan to build clean, affordable homes that will help get these families off of the street. They would love for you to partner with them by donating to this show, where 100% of the proceeds will go to the Grace Project. When you partner with the Grace Project in any dollar amount, you will receive Dr. Butler's latest book. To give, please go to momentspod.com or anchor.fm forward slash moments of grace and hit support. Thank you in advance from the Grace Project. It's always amazed me one thing in our in our nation is that <laughs> and I'm gonna say this and I have southern listeners of course we're in the south I got southern listeners it's always amazed me because I was stationed in Germany for five years that a that Nazism the attempt to root out Nazism in in Germany was part of the the, the national push and they made it bad they made it absolute the worst to be a Nazi in Germany. In America, we not only celebrate the losing side, the Confederacy, these traitors to this nation, we not only celebrate them, we go and react them losing the battles in the South. That's always been absolutely insane to me. <laughs> you know, that in the South, they actually put on reenactments of losing a battle. So, we have this 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 uh, this this mentality, at least in America, where we continue to propagate racism. We continue to propagate 
uh, white supremacy and hatred instead of coming up with solutions. And I come back to the same thing I said, the only, the only mechanism that we have to make changes in America, because you can't change somebody's hearts. It's gonna have to be through laws. And the laws, the voting rights bill, all of these laws over the years, these were mechanisms that changed that now there is a certain piece of America that wants to turn those mechanisms off. And they're in control of the laws so they can do it. Right. I want to back up a little bit because we're talking about changing hearts with laws and not not being able to change heart, hearts, but actually imposing laws. Right. I'm just, again, playing devil's advocate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's some people, no matter what law you put in place, they will try to avoid that law. I mean, let's say, for example, the, the not get too far, but masking law. You mm -hmm. wear a mask or you can't come in this, you can't do this. There's some people, I'm not doing that. No matter how much you say, I'm not doing it. You need to get a vaccination. No matter how much you tell me I have to, I'm never going to do that, some people will say. So how, if you did, how can you change somebody's perspective? Or do you even try? Well, I say again, that's why you have laws. How many people back in the 80s and 90s fought seatbelts? Everybody wears them. How many, how many people said, I'm not getting my child vac vaccinated? And they said, well, if they're not vaccinated, they're not going to school. 90% of America's vaccinated or they found another another place to send their kids. So again, like I said, whether it's masks, I think this is part of the rebellious nature of, and I got to say it from the last administration, that this this hatred, this this uh, whatever's going on in in Caucasian America's minds, um, uh, or anybody's minds that say, well, this is for the public good. So I don't want to do it because I just don't want to do it. That's fine then you don't take part of the services. Then if you're not gonna get vaccinated, then you don't take part of society. That's your choice. If you don't wear a seatbelt, you get arrested. Now, when it comes to your body with vaccines, you have that choice. That is your choice every bit. But again, to me, you at that time that you're not going to do what's asked because every last one of us, my friend, has had vaccinations. If you went to a public school you got polio, you got rubella, you're getting tetanus. So all of us have had vaccines. That's the foolishness in this fight is that now because someone else said it was not true and have made this a, uh, a, a red herring, now you have a certain segment that doesn't want to do it. But we've always been vaccinated. So, so what's the foolishness in, in the mentality of this? So like I said, if you've made the decision not to then you make its decision not to participate. And that's the bottom line. And that's your choice as America. We're free. You have that choice not to, not to go into the store, not to, not to get the job, not to go to school. These are things for the common, you just said yourself, these are the things for the common good. You as an individual have the right not to. And as a individual, you have the right not to participate in communal events. All right, so moving back on that whole concept, we talked about this in the last show, uh, the, the dichotomy between the individual and the communal. Right. And the fact that America seems to be have based on the, the supremacy of the individual, individual rights, individual over, over group. You know, it's always that. Now, isn't there a danger then of a community imposing upon an individual things that aren't really to the benefit of the individual, maybe even disastrous to the entire group long term you know obviously the nazis were a group that imposed upon everybody that was around them 
Even Germans that didn't want to participate had to. They had no choice other than to otherwise die. I have relatives that came directly out of Germany after Hitler. So there's a little bit of a danger of this, this concept of communal uh, imposition by law. Isn't there not? I don't think there is because, again, like I said, how did the civil rights get them? How did people that look like me? I'm, I'm So I'm 57 years old. Mm-hmm. The civil rights bill was passed in 65, I believe. 64, 65. 64. Okay, 64. So guess what? When I was born as an African-American, I didn't have the right to vote in my lifetime. Yet you did. No, I did not. Unless I paid. Come on, come on now. Because of Jim Crow, because of poll taxes, I did not. I would have had to do something different than you as a Caucasian American had to do. Right. So the law, by law, by law, I had the right to vote. That was in my lifetime that I would not have had the right to vote. So had it not been for the changing of laws, that's how societies move. Again, as a as a republic, we are we're not a democracy. We're not a uh, we are not a dictatorship. <laughs> we shouldn't be an oligarchy, but we are. <laughs> By a but but we are a republic and republic is led by laws that's how we make changes and i say again if you don't want to conform with the law then you don't have to participate you take the it's just like anything else um uh there's a a a, a, a law of effect so if you make that decision then then that's the effect you you get whatever you you know cause and effect whatever you cause there's an effect so if you made a decision you don't want to be part of of what the law says then you, you're out of it or you're arrested. But that's what laws are here for. We're not, it's not perfect, but that's what we have. Right. So I want to back up a little bit because we're talking about the Civil Rights Act of 1964. Okay. And I get that in your lifetime, because of the poll taxes and everything else, a black man may not be able to vote. Mm-hmm. But there was another Civil Rights Act, which we never talked about and I never heard of until I began researching, uh, what, 10 years ago, this topic. It's the Civil Rights Act of 1866, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. basically gave gave all black citizens out of America mm-hmm. complete and equal rights and responsibilities. They could be sued just like a white person could be mm-hmm. sued right. in 1866. What happened between 1866, because from 1866 to 1898, there were like 21 black congressmen in, in, in office. Mm-hmm. In office. It's crazy. But what happened is about 1898, is exactly. is you had the KKK and you had mm-hmm. white racists and they basically mm-hmm. scared off black black participation in American culture. Mm-hmm. They went, okay, we're gonna forget this crap. We're gonna oh, sorry, I didn't say crap. Forget this crap. We're gonna go back into our into our own lives and, and stay away from this stuff. We can't participate in white culture anymore. It stayed that way until the 1930s, and then we had uh, FDR who basically started saying, hey, how do we get enough votes for and he for us to continue our our agenda here we need the poor vote from the white people and the black people so he started appealing to the black people and they started getting back into politics in the 1930s Mm -hmm. and then you still had the jim crow laws at the time were being imposed by the white liberal you know you you can't stay here and they were turning dogs and hoses on them and tell so really in a way let's back up hold on let's back up let's back up okay okay let's back up right they were not white liberals they were white conservatives don't 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 miss don't put a misnomer on the on the party that was not there um if you go back and look at it 
um, um, Lincoln himself was a conservative. They were conservatives. These were not liberals, because keep in mind what liberalism is. And keep in mind what conservatism is. So conservatism is what? I want to keep everything the same, correct? To some degree, too, we're talking about political conservatism or social conservatism, which sometimes overlap, yes. So so these were not conservatives. These were, I'm excuse me, these were not liberals. They were conservatives by, by the very nature of the ideology. The very nature of the ideology. Keeping in mind, um, for over 4,000, I think they just did a, a um, uh, 2014, uh, it may be in Philadelphia, somewhere up east, the lynching uh, museum. Out of 4,000 lynchings in this nation after 1865, after the freeing of slaves, mm -hmm. not one community not one Caucasian has ever been prosecuted. Not one. So the premise that <laughs> we had some rights to include, like I told you before, I live in South Carolina, uh, Robert Smalls and, and all the history of, of African-Americans that came out of the, came out of slavery and that went into politics and did very well. Um, they, they did, they did very well until Jim Crow stepped in. Until right. the red shirts stepped in, mm -hmm. until the, these other organizations, the KKK, what, 18, 1889, 1890? Right, 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 exactly. Right, right. So these, so these groups of terror, and keep in mind, um, the as a, as an African American, somebody that this racism is baked into this nation, right? Because um, of because of slavery. Let me ask you a question, okay? Now we like I said, we're all over the place really, but 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 we're having a conversation. Yeah. We're having fun. We're having a conversation. Yes. Let me ask you a question. And you may know it or you may not. How many Africans were killed during Second World War in Africa? I don't know the actual number, no. Okay. If you look it up, you're gonna you, I'm gonna tell you how many you're gonna find. Zero. Okay. Now, keep in mind, and we're going totally off a tangent here, but I want you to understand the mentality. So when we talk about Black Lives Matter or Black Lives Don't Matter, All Lives Matter and all this other foolishness, I'm going to show you how Black Lives Don't Matter. <clears throat> when you do your research, you'll find out 10 million Africans. Keep in mind, Hitler, who put 7 million Jews to death, right? That's what they say, 7 million Jews. Mm -hmm. I think that was the proper number put 10 million Africans to to, to, to uh, uh, kill 10 million Africans on the continent of Africa in, in, in 18, I think it's 1805, the Belgian prince killed 10 million Africans in the Congo. Look it up. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, it's, part of yeah, that so, is in my book. So, so here it is. Here it is. But, but I want you to understand. Here it is. 20 million Africans murdered, wiped off the planet. Not a mention of them. 20, 20 million Africans wiped off the planet. How dare you tell me all lives matter and black lives. <laughs> when, you, when, when people say black lives matter, that you have an issue with it. 20 million Africans wiped off the planet during the slave trades in, 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 uh, um, in uh, I think it was in Jamaica. Excuse me. I, I may be wrong. In Jamaica or Bahamas, either or. 
the sugar cane. Keep in mind, I want you to hear this. Two million Africans went into Jamaica. Two million Africans. When slavery was ended, after what, 400 years? 200, I think it was 280 years at that time. Slavery ended in Jamaica. There was only 250,000 left. They literally worked people to death. How can we say black lives matter in this world? Right. Not one mention. If you look it up right now, you will find the numbers, <laughs> the numbers that the that the UN gives of Africans killed in Africa is zero. Which is interesting because this is the UN. Right. Which, which typically would be very pro. You would uh, think. But, but, I, hate, I hate to say the word minority because I don't like to consider humans as minorities. Right, right. They're really pro-minority, but they, they but, not even they mention it. So, but but here's the issue: Africa has the resources, but not the power. Whoever has the power controls the numbers. This isn't anti-Jewish. Everybody's hearts went out to Jewish because they're lighter. <laughs> the bottom line: I'm just being honest with you. 7 million of them are, are murdered, but 10 million Africans are murdered and you never mention a word, not even from the UN. Right. So something is still incorrect, my friend. And, and I say again, when we look at the, the history and you mentioned, uh, what was the two tribes that you mentioned that, that had slaves? The Ashante and the Yoruba. Mm -hmm. How did they treat the slaves they had? Like commodity, like things to sell. I'm saying, how did they treat them? Not how they, they used them. How did they treat them? I I mean, obviously, I'm guessing in some part because it's not as clear as how they were treated historically okay. through America, but obviously gotcha. not, not as well. Gotcha. But let me try to answer this question from, from this perspective. The reason why, and this is wrong, but this is the reason why, when people, not just white people, but we're talking even, even you know, brown-skinned Muslims and historically, you know, I'm not saying everyone, keep that in mind, they look at Africa and they see this great amount of people who in their in their mind, the people looking at them, aren't contributing to the whole of humanity. They're living in the jungle. They're they're not technologized. They're doing this. They treat them like animals. They think of them as animals. And so their lives aren't important. And that's how it's been historically. Whereas if you see somebody who's invented the boat, the ship or whatever, you think, oh, well, that person's important. I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying this is probably how we got there. We need more African-Americans and Africans in general to say, look, here is our history. And that's kind of what my book's about. Here is our history. We're proud, noble people. We don't have to invent major ships or, or buildings and stuff that to be proud and be treated like human beings. But who said we didn't? <laughs> that's, that's the other side of oh, it. No, I'm not friend. saying you're not, I'm not yeah, saying yeah, you're yeah, not yeah. doing it, yeah. but it's not but, the but platform's we, we not whitewashed, We whitewashed everything in history. Right. Because again, um, anthropologists have went as far as to try to etch out Egypt as part of Africa. Right. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's, it's now it's Pan Asia. You know, you've come up with something other than it being African. To include everybody that's listening to me, please hear me very closely. Africa has every resource the world has. The world has more than even every world has raped. Africa of everything. Let me ask you a question. The crown jewels, where did they come from? And what gave, what, what, gave, what gave England the right to have 
the crown jewels unless they were stolen. We talked about this before. The reason being, because for whatever reason, technology. Yeah, technology. Yeah, I agree. It's not, a, it's not about the color of skin. It's about I have more power than you, and I'm going to come in here and take your stuff. But it, but, but it, but that's what it's, that's what it's turned out to be. Because keep in mind, we've put Africans all in the same boat. And if you have ever had an opportunity, I don't know if you have or not. I've, I've been to Africa on missions trips and all of this, and have plenty, a bunch of African friends. And I was just amazed to find out in Nigeria, there's a hundred and something different dialects of, of, of their language. Oh yeah. Within that community. So it, so again, we have to get back to it. And I think this is what's getting ready to happen. I have friends that are, are, um, that work for NBC in MSNBC Africa, um, that now what would happen to the world, my friend, if Africa shut off its borders to its resources and just stop letting the world steal their resources. <laughs> yeah, if they, if they could do it, and I get into this hypothetically because we—if you've ever seen like the Black Panther, the Wakanda concept, mm -hmm, where you yeah. had this technolized civilization that was hiding underneath, you know, all the, right. all the apparent savagery, whatever. Right. So I mean, we, we got and, and we got oh, Akon, the artist who's actually trying to build this city over there, Akon City. I don't know if you're aware of that. He's trying to build a Wakanda. So the point is, is that it's not just about technology. I mentioned this in the book. It's the, the advancement's not about technology only. It's not about, because as, you, as you've tried to imply, look, if you have this many dialects, that means you're culturally, to some degree, superior. I always get confused when I see like people who can only speak English downgrading or other people with other languages. Right, right or, or right, the people because right. they only can speak English in kind of a broken way. Right. Okay, but they can speak English. You can't speak Spanish anything. at all. You can't, yeah. you can't speak, you can't right. speak a lick of anything. Yeah, so that's the difference. Yeah. So. The, and, and this is the, this is the, this is the issue. And as you, as you, we were talking about the slave trade, the beginning of the slave trade is that, um, there are no records. There are no recorded records of any slaves that were in Africa because the tribes are so, and you said it yourself, the tribes are so, so much about community. There was always an opportunity for someone they conquered to become part of the community. There were no whipping out and picking cotton and all this other stuff. That's all westernized. They treated, eventually that person who was a slave was treated like family and they were always given a way out. So when they sold Africans to come to the to to the uh, uh, the Atlantic slave trade, thinking that <laughs> Caucasians, these conquerors, were going to treat their slaves the way they did. I don't. It, there's no way possible if they had realized that these people would be treated the, the same. Because they get, keep in mind they were enemies. If I've conquered you, you're an enemy. So on and so forth, you know, that's just the heart, you know, the heart of, of humans is inclined to evil. The treat, we always need somebody to look down on. They were looking at tribes, but even in tribes, they could not have imagined the brutality of what Caucasian Americans that owned slaves could do. Burning people alive, raping people, beating them a whipping post and all of these things. You, you 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 do understand why um <laughs> i'm not gonna go into that um so so all these things the brutality of the american heart the brutality of the heart of of the atlantic slave trade 
I don't think the Africans that sold them, because like I said, I hear Caucasians say this all the time. Well, a lot of them got sold by Africans. You know, that is true. But again, they were not seen as African. You're looking at one people. You're willing to put me in the same um, bucket with every other African. And they're from different tribes, different dialects. That means they are different people. Right. The only difference is you looked no further than the epidermal layer of their skin and you constituted none of them were worth anything now let me say let me say this real quick before we get back into it and brother this is a great great conversation i call you brother because that's the way i feel about all humanity um there are so many inventions that have been whitewashed let me ask you a question a, a realistic question how many major religions were developed or still alive by Caucasians? None, because obviously the closest Zero. one you're going to get is the Viking, and that's not really alive. <laughs> Zero. I, and I'm, I'm Viking. But <laughs> I would have touched on something said. So we have, and I agree with everything you said, but what happened is this vision of seeing Africans or Black people in general, and excuse that phrase, as less than human, didn't happen immediately because when the first ones got over here in 1619, oh, I can't remember right. that name, they were indentured servants. They did have the right and they did win their right to, to freedom. It was, and they were white people. You're talking about Caucasians. No, I'm talking about black people. No. Anthony, he's in my book. Yes, Anthony Johnson. He actually mm -hmm. went on to own his own slaves and actually mm -hmm. had the really first slave. He had an mm -hmm. indentured servant. But the problem is, I'm saying what I'm saying over the course of time, more and more, it wasn't like, oh, all Europeans seen black people as savages from the get go. It did get worse and worse and worse progressively as it went on, where they began to see them in less and less as human. I just want to make sure we make that distinction that it got worse. It wasn't just immediately because they gave them their freedom through, through like I said, indentured servants. If you converted or if you, you, you served for a time, because it's Anthony Johnson, who was one of the first uh, indentured servants to come over, black indentured servants, won his freedom. And then went on to own his own farm of 150 acres, something like that, with his own indentured servants, white and black. Which 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 we have to say was an outlier. Well, we, not, we have to we have we, we can't we can't just come out and say, you know, that there were not generational um, slavery from those that came over in, in 1619. There were four still people in slavery for those 400 years. Oh yeah, from I'm the original saying. from the original slaves. Right. So so I agree with you 100. percent But also we want to get back to. What was it 1519 baker rebellion 1519. This, this this whole do you, do you have that in your book about the baker rebellion 1519 be too far back because that's the spanish right i think it was it was in the 1500s that's that the year though the, the, the english have not even arrived until 1604 or so so baker rebellion was in europe okay Let's yeah the baker rebellion was in europe and and, and, and here you had here you had uh uh african Africans and Caucasians that uh, worked in the in I, 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 I'll have to go back and get the whole story. But anyway, paraphrase that's fine. Both of uh, um, races are considered uh, um, two classes. You either had or you were have-nots. <laughs> I'm just right. it simple, you know. And and there was no such thing. Nobody looked at races because you had Moors, you had uh, Africans, you had. Uh, um, um, Irish, the whole gamut. Right, as you said, it's about money or race. And the, Run, money case, or race. In this so case, here, money, money is spring. Here, the, 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 the rebellion starts, and it's called the Baker Rebellion. The Be rebellion starts 
Africans and Europeans together get ready to overthrow their the landowners. Right. And here the landowners take what Johnson had, had said some some <laughs> close to a couple of thousand years uh, after is that if we can make the and I'm just I hate this this terminology but I'm saying it as it was done if we can make the lower whites feel like they are over the blacks then we can control them all yes and that's exactly that's exactly where this 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 whole elitist passed on this racial piece about class right and I think it's more about class now so this is a great segue if you allow me yes sir great segue because now we jump into the present and I I'm often confused by maybe you help explain there's this this push to group not just you know African Americans in this country went through something different than every other color of Americans but anyhow that's people of color there's this new phrase I'm like you almost are robbing them of their heritage and then now you have not just that before you answer not just that now you have like for example homosexuals and transsexuals trying to tack themselves on hey we're just as discriminated to me it robs what actually happened to African Americans or Africans in general when you lump all those it's like they're trying to hey I'm on the bus too you know you're not you're it's something different what do you what do you think about that oh no I'm with you 100 because and I will say this all the time and keep in mind and, and I know this is going to sound racist to some of my homosexual um listeners I have a lot of homosexual friends and a lot of people that follow our ministry that are homosexual we love them dearly because we're about love it's not about you know who you love this is the issue if you don't if you don't tell me who you are or what you're doing I don't know right but in other words if you don't tell me you're homosexual if you don't tell me that you're a rocket scientist if you don't tell me you're a bus driver I don't know society has already made it apparently present that the moment I walk out my door now in my house I'm not in my house I'm dad I'm husband I'm the, I'm the foster dad I'm the provider and everything else race doesn't come out of my door mm-hmm. I'm already tagged as a black man so therefore to tack anything else along with um what <laughs> what this nation has put on me as an African-American is to me degrading what my ancestors have done to get me here and I totally agree with you okay this is my fight is totally different different and unique from the from a homosexual person's fight that that's that's your fight you're saying you were born this way but if you don't tell me I don't know it so if I have to if I have to society has already said until you let me know I'm taking you at face value literally that if you're a white man, I hate using that term, but I'm using it for, for context. Right. If you're a white man and you say, I am a white man, and then you hyphenate it and I'm gay, now you have open society up for judgment. When I walk out the door, I'm already hyphenated. <laughs> right. So that's, that's important. I want to, I want to make sure I, somebody else besides, like, am I, am I right in this reasoning? No, I'm, I'm, I'm totally with you. 100%. My diff, my fight is different than, and, and keep in mind, I feel in, when we say people of color and I, and I understand that and I, and, and I have kind of caught into that new colloquialism as well. Mm-hmm. Um, because I understand, um, you know, some of my the native brothers and sisters and everything right now and people want to call it pc and i always say 
people that want to talk about being politically correct, the only reason they're saying it is because they want to say something that's offensive. Um, but as we talk about Native Americans, we talk about Asian Americans, everybody has their own experience. And here we go, Roderick, I believe instead of us always talking about the grievance of where we came from, we should all come together and see where we can go. Excellent. That's, and that's how you started the show. And that's perfect. So it's back in your hands, my friend. Okay. Tell us a little bit more about your book and then we're going to, we're going to get out of here. This has been, this has really been joyful for me, my friend. And I'm sorry. I probably talked too much and, and you had more in your book you wanted to share. And I apologize. For no, that. no, this, this is perfect. This is exactly how I want it to go. I mean, the book is definitely small. You're like, you're, you'll look at it you're like, how in the world can you put the history and future of black people in this little book that's 120 <laughs> pages? Because it just touches on vision. It gets you to have these kind of discussions you and I are having. There Hopefully we'll get people to have these kind of discussions. And I, if I said in the very beginning, very beginning, who the heck has the right to write a book like this? Nobody does, really. I mean, anybody who writes, if you wrote it, people say, well, why is he writing? It? What's his motive? Blah, blah. If I wrote it, what's his motive? No matter who writes a book like this, the first question is, what is the motive? I try to get the reader to get past that and start looking at the history, start looking at the, the concepts, just like the thing we're talking about. You, you and I don't have to agree, but here's how the perspective is. Right. And here I try to build that into the book and and all my books like that and this is what i want i want more discussions i'd love to see somebody find out that later on that somebody's taken this book and there's a big discussion group you know about this so this is what this is the reason i wrote it well that's a blessing my friend roger this has been such a pleasure uh talking with you how can people get your book i've got to get your book because we're, we're going to have you back on and i actually i would love to get um several of your books because i'd love to have you on and and, and have these discussions because one thing's for sure, uh, I, I feel your heart is is in the right place. Um, that you, you you know you're you're inquisitive. You're looking at history to see where we are. I believe to see if we can have a better America and be better to each other. So how can people get your book? Well, you can go to RoderickE.com, and all of them are there. Ten books, or you can just go to Amazon and put Roderick Edwards in there, and they should come up. One little side note, if I could, it's interesting because I sent you the audio book. Maybe you haven't had the chance to listen to it. I haven't. I'm sorry. I haven't. That's, that's fine. The man that I got to get it, to read it, was a man who sounds like Morgan Freeman. Really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. I know, <laughs> knew I got it. Yeah. I it sounds like Morgan Freeman. And I had to actually have a verbal conversation to him because I want him to understand what this was about. Because Again, the history and future of black people. And I'm you're having a black man read this book. Who are you? So we talked about it. And he's a avid socialist and everything else but he said i'm going to read it and i'm going to read it as 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 passionate as i can and he does a great job and i'd actually prefer people to listen to his audio rendition of it than reading it so how are you going to go well i'm going to probably do both so we can get it on audiobook what um and your website is are you on amazon as well or just on okay you're on amazon as well yes give us give us the last three books We, we have this one but give us the last three books so when people look you up they cannot just they can go on and, and get a bundle well the there's i wrote one about should have been with me it's a world war ii story a true story about a guy who was fought in the china burma region and came back wow. to invent uh design the satellites that america launched into space okay then i have a it's the last three books but i have one different books this one called about preterism uh, okay. I know since your show is about spiritual stuff. It's about a group that believes that Jesus already came back and it was in the first century. Mm-hmm. It really Im- implied that he was only going to come back spiritually, never physically. And so I, I, I go through their history. And then obviously I wrote an autobiography about my adoption and, and how I found my birth family and, and how it's been that I've 
interacted with my birth siblings and everything else and how it went. Oh, I would love that. What's the name of that one, Roger? That one's called Together More. Okay, I'd I love to get that one as well. So, so you've given me three I'm going to order. So, um, when I order them uh, through your website, will you sign those or they, they're sent from some other place? They're sent directly from Amazon. So I got you. you. Something signed, just uh, send me an email and I'll I'll order them and send them to you. Okay, uh, we'll, we'll do that. And we'll, we'll go on and, and uh, send you a check for them or whatever we need to. And so if I'm going to do this, I'm expecting my listeners to do this as well. Um, this young man has, uh, and I keep saying young man because I keep having a vision of you. God, you're old. You're like I am. We're 53, old. 53. <laughs> I'm teasing with you, Roger. <laughs> but uh, we, we have thoroughly enjoyed our conversation with you, my friend. And, and um, uh, we're going to ask you if you would to come back with us uh, on on a, uh, a future show and uh, have some more conversation with us about um, about any of your books you want to talk about. I thoroughly enjoyed it and thank you for the opportunity and, and allowing me to present it and not think, who is this guy? I mean, you could have from the get-go, but you didn't, so I appreciate it. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> well, we have been talking with Roderick Edwards, and this young man um, has has really, really touched a, a passionate place within us uh, for these two episodes. His discussion about race is something we need to talk about, but at the same time, we, it, it can't, we can't allow it to be the centerpiece of our lives. We as Americans, we have so many more things, so many things that are pressing on our hearts. We're coming out of COVID we're, uh, right now, and unfortunately, we're going back into mass shootings and, and going back into poverty and all these other things. There, there's some things um, that are life issues that we need to deal with. Keep in mind, there are more people that love one another than hate one another. There's a very small minority of people in this nation that hate you because of the color of your skin. And I don't want us to lose that. I don't want us to lose that reality that hate will always try to propagate and will always try to destroy. Matthews 12 in the Bible tells us a house divided against the shelf shall not stand. And I truly believe in order for our nation to stand, there are certain things we just got to come to a reality with and love each other through. Otherwise, as a nation, as a people, as a great people, we won't survive. This is your host, Dr. A. Jerome Butler. Remember, love God, love life. Keep the light on. We'll see you next time on Moments of Grace.